You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Good morning, Harvest City. Welcome to church. And I'm so excited today to be able to share the word of God with you. You know, this is a season, this is a time where we remember Pentecost. And Pentecost was the occasion when the Holy Spirit came into the world as the disciples were gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. The Bible describes this event in Acts chapter 2, particularly in the first four verses. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was an amazing occasion where they were empowered by God to be able to preach the gospel. And so we remember this date as Pentecostals, we are particularly aware of our need for the Holy Spirit, our heritage, and how without His power operating in our lives, we're really not capable of fulfilling our mission. Well, this morning, I want to continue our series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. We're going to be looking at the second element of fire, the second characteristic of fire. I guess if I were to give a title to this message, I would call it the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And of course, that can be found in Ephesians chapter one, when Paul prays for the believers that the eyes of their heart would be flooded with light. That's what the original Greek says, so that they would understand and receive wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit himself. We start off by looking at Luke chapter 3, verse 16. And here we read the words of John the Baptist. John is speaking about the coming of the Messiah. And of course, there were those who questioned, are you, John, the coming one, or should we expect someone else? And John clearly pointed to Jesus. And he said the distinguishing mark, that which would make Messiah different than John, is that even though John baptized in water unto repentance, that the Messiah would baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's an amazing thing when you, when you think about this. And as I mentioned, the fulfillment of this event occurred on what we call the day of Pentecost. The, the Hebrews called it the Feast of Weeks or Shaviat when they commemorate the giving of the law in Moses. But we particularly remember Pentecost or the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now the experience of the baptism in the Spirit is for all people everywhere. You know, after uh, people saw the coming of the Holy Spirit and, and it says specifically that there was this sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. It says everyone present 120 of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in other languages as the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. But later on, Peter is speaking to the crowd who is inquiring, they're, they're wondering what is actually happening here. They even accuse them of being drunk. And, and Peter says, look, this promise is to you 
and to your children. This is the Holy Spirit. Joel spoke about him. And he said, and to those who are far away, all who've been called by the Lord our God. That's a very interesting statement. Those who are far away. It literally means to a people who are in the future, but it can also speak of all nations everywhere to the Gentiles. So it's speaking of all generations and all nations, everyone, everywhere. What an amazing promise that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God himself can come and live in us and we can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. The infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit was so important to the disciples that Jesus said, before you go and fulfill the Great Commission and preach the gospel to all creation, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, says in Luke 24, 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high. But what does it really mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? What are the you know, consequences or the ramifications of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? And in particular, why did John use the metaphor of fire to describe this experience? Well, let's think about that for a moment. We know that unharnessed fire is capable of wreaking enormous destruction. James chapter three, verse five, it says, see how great a forest, a little fire or a spark kindles. However, we know that when fire is controlled, it can be of great benefit to humankind. For example, fire produces power. Fire also generates light. Fire creates heat. And we know that metals are purified by fire. So the Holy Spirit and fire. I really believe that we can look at these particular characteristics of fire and we can apply them to a specific ministry or, or different ways in which the Holy Spirit actually works in our lives. Last week we looked at the fact that fire produces power. We know that uh, internal combustion engines run off of the power of fire. And we saw that Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon Upon you to be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The word witness means to give legal testimony, but it can also uh, be translated martyr in the sense that a person who is so convinced in what they believe is real that they're willing to lay down their life. And for us, of course, we know that there are believers who have been martyred all over the world. Even 11 out of the 12 apostles were killed for the name of Jesus. But ultimately, there's a spiritual application here. So you see, martyrdom is something that happens in our flesh, in, in our sinful nature, according to what Paul says in Galatians 2, verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in other words, in my human body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The greatest testimony of a life that has been transformed is when a person lives in the power of the resurrection, not fulfilling the lusts of their flesh, living and seeking first the kingdom of God. 
Well, this morning we want to look at the second characteristic of fire. That is that fire produces light. As a spiritual metaphor, light speaks of revelation knowledge, spiritual insight. Jesus himself said in John 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You know, the Holy Spirit is quenched when human rationale replaces divine insight. When believers walk in their flesh from their natural perspective rather than in the Holy Spirit. In the book of Jude, we are warned of those who concoct false teachings that end up causing division amongst believers. And the source or the purpose for this discord is very clear. It says in verse 19, these are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. So he clearly says they're not, they don't have the spirit. They're not living in the spirit. They're not being guided by the spirit. And he says these are sensual persons, meaning they live from their senses. They're not living from their spirit, man. In fact, the word sensual is, is a Greek word from which we get psyche. It means soul. So they're living out of their soul, not out of their spirit. And the Bible tells us as citizens of God's kingdom, we are to walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. But what does it mean to walk by faith? Well, faith is seeing things from God's heavenly vantage point, not just looking at things through our natural gaze. It means to understand things from God's perspective, in other words. We need to clearly perceive things from our spirit man. We need to be able to discern things the way God sees that. It's very, very important. In the Amplified Bible, we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. But it continues in chapter 11, verse 1, and says, Faith perceives as real fact that which is not revealed to the senses. So faith perceives spiritually those things that are real, but it's not through our senses, it's through our spirit man. And as important as healing is, as miracles are, as the gift of prophecy is, we also need to experience the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits. Moreover, as I've already alluded to in Ephesians chapter 1, we need the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul's words are as follows, praying for believers. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, and you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Beloved, only those who are born of the Spirit and who walk in the Spirit can perceive, can understand the things of the kingdom. They are the only ones who can discern spiritual realities. I love Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. He says something quite deep here and profound. He says, but God unveils these profound spiritual realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart 
and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really know what is in a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. Wow, what an amazing truth that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us the full significance, the full inheritance of everything that we have in Christ Jesus. So I want to speak with you this morning on the importance of having the Holy Spirit impart wisdom and revelation to us. You know, the Bible talks about wisdom being the principal thing, but the scripture also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to honor God. We need to respect God. We need to submit to God and revere him. And as we do, what happens is he will give us wisdom, wisdom that is not only beyond our years, beyond our age, but wisdom that comes from God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says this, I want you to make sure that you are not ignorant of Satan's devices. I want you to be sure that you are not unaware of his schemes because he's talking about how the enemy is a schemer. And what he's saying is that wisdom that comes from God will protect you from the devices of the devil, from the strategies of Satan so that you are not deceived. Today there are many ways in which people are being deceived around the world. And we need to make sure that we are receiving wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit to keep us from that deception. The Bible says this, that Jesus even warned in the last days that, that Satan's trickery would become so widespread and even successful that even the elect would be deceived if that were possible. He said false messiahs, false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and he makes this astonishing claim that the devil had placed in their midst those purporting to be ministers of Christ who in reality were agents of Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 to 15 reads, These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Wow. You know, I was thinking about an event, it happened quite a few years ago, but I was speaking at a church in another country. And I had just come out of a time of, 
of praying and fasting, and I felt particularly sensitive to, to the Holy Spirit. And as I was preaching, I saw a woman sitting in the congregation. And I felt like the Lord highlighted her and he just said to me in my spirit, I want to minister to her. I want to touch her and help her today. And so I, I was encouraged that the Lord loved her so much that he wanted to assist her. And so I, I gave an invitation at the end of my message. I invited people to come forward to receive ministry from the Lord. And as I did, this woman proceeded to the front of the church and she asked me if I would pray for her for physical healing. Of course, I, I, I obliged her and I was more than willing to do that. And as I began to pray for her, I ended up seeing something happen that I wasn't really expecting. There was a spiritual manifestation from the powers of darkness that occurred. And as I took authority over that in the name of Jesus, this woman ended up being delivered. It was a powerful thing and it really um, encouraged the church. But what happened next, I had no way of preparing for. So after the service was dismissed, some of the elders of the church asked me if I could come into the pastor's office and meet with them. So I walked into the office, I sat down with them, and they began to share with me how they had regarded this woman as someone who they would go to for counsel, for advice, you know, asking her to pray. And some even said we kind of looked to her almost like she was a, a prophetess. And they said, how could we be so deceived? This woman was not from God. This woman was actually from the enemy. And of course, there's a story in the New Testament very, very similar. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is traveling around, he's preaching the gospel, and there's this woman who's following him. And the Bible is very clear that she has unclean spirits living her. And she's crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God. Listen to what they say. Now, there's absolutely nothing false or wrong about what this woman was declaring. Paul and his team were definitely servants of the Most High God. They were proclaiming the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, people should heed the things that they spoke. But Paul became troubled in his spirit. He discerned that something was wrong, even though her words were correct. And he turned around and he took authority over that, recognizing that the enemy was at work in her. He cast the demons out of her and she was gloriously set free. And I want to just say to you today that we are living in a time when we need to be aware of what is happening in our world. Not every prophecy is of God. Not every person that preaches a message is from God. We need to be aware of the things we read, of the things that people are saying. In fact, we even have an obligation, according to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the writer says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Of course, we test things by the Scripture today, but we also have to have a sense of inner witness by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will show you things that are not from God. So it's critically important that we embrace the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit today so that we walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation to protect us from what is not of God, to protect us from false teaching and false spirits and false claims. Second reason 
for embracing the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom in Revelation, is that God wants to not only protect us, but God also wants to promote us. I love the, the Psalms as it speaks about how God directs our path and also Proverbs. But this particular verse is found in Psalm chapter 37. It's verse number 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Listen to this. He delights in every detail of their lives. Isn't that amazing? That God delights in every detail of your life. He wants to direct you. He wants to guide you. He knows what is best for us. You can map out your life plans meticulously, but the fact is no matter what you know, Father knows best. He knows better than you what is best for you. And if you will allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, you will find yourself being promoted in his kingdom. You know, the Lord wants to give you divine strategies. He wants to give you heavenly wisdom in order to advance his kingdom on the earth and in order that you may walk in his favor. God can impart to you expert advice. He can cause you to experience supernatural favor, even in the eyes of great men, so that, as I said, his kingdom is established and his name is glorified. But God wants to use you. He wants to use me on the earth. There is a spirit a promotion upon those who learn to honor the Lord and allow the Spirit of God to move in their lives. Throughout the scripture, we see this. Even Jesus himself, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 52, increased in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and in favor with men. Jesus, first of all, increased in favor with, with God. That's the, that's the most important thing. And as a result, he even had favor with people. I want you to think about the early church. In Acts chapter 5, verse 14, in the Passion Translation, it says this, No one dared harm them, for everyone held them in high regard. Some translation says no one dared join them, but the Aramaic actually says no one would harm them because why? The people held them in high regard. There was favor upon the early church. There was great grace upon the early church according to Acts chapter 4 verse 33, which is the same word for favor. Think about two great men in the Old Testament. First of all, Joseph. According to the Bible, the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph was favored and he was promoted. I want to read from Genesis 39 verses 2 through 5. It says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord, it says, was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the fields because of the favor of the Lord that rested upon Joseph's life. Consider Daniel. 
In Daniel chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says that the king found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Later on in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is now an older man. And because of the favor of God, the wisdom that was on Daniel's life that came directly from the Lord, Daniel was about to be promoted above all the governors and satraps in the kingdom. It says this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. What is that? It's not only the human spirit, but it's the spirit of God that was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him up over the whole realm. As Christians, it is important that we recognize that, first of all, we must move into a place of favor with God. We must increase in favor with God. When we do that, we will increase in favor with people as well. I'm not saying that everyone will like us, but I'm saying this is a general kingdom principle. And the Bible is clear that when we submit ourselves to God, He will guide us along the best pathway for our lives. God wants to use you. He wants to promote you no matter what you do. Ministry isn't something that happens in the confines of a church. We are all called to be ministers. We all have assignments from God and are on assignment from God. In the marketplace, no matter where you work, whether you're in the hospital, whether you're a business person, uh, you're a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, no matter what it is you do, you are on assignment from God. And God wants to give you supernatural strategies. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to speak to you. I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, to ask Him to give you revelation, understanding, strategies, so that you might progress, that you might even be promoted, and you may advance because of the excellent spirit that is in you. Do it for the glory of God, but allow Him to promote you. God wants to make you the head and not the tail, so that you can be an influence for the kingdom of God on this earth. The thing that causes us to be positioned, to be promoted, is our humility. It's our dependence upon God. And in closing, I just want to share from Proverbs chapter 3. Often we read verses 5 and 6, but I want to include verse 7 because it really helps us understand the context in which those two verses are said. This is the Passion Translation. It says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do and He will lead you wherever you go. Then verse 7, Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore Him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Our dependence and our submission to God determines our usefulness in His kingdom. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. Resistance leads to rebellion and eventually regression and ruin. God wants to promote you. God wants to give you supernatural wisdom. Allow the Holy Spirit 
to govern your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, to lead you, to guide you. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes. He knows how to parent. He knows how to study. He knows how to lead in our workplace. He knows how to conduct ourselves in ministry. No matter what it is, the Holy Spirit is waiting to teach us. He's our guide. He's the one who wants to impart wisdom, who wants to give us revelation. He wants to protect us from the evil one, but he wants to promote us in the kingdom so that the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified on the earth. I know that the Lord has a plan to use you. The Lord has a destiny and a purpose for your life. Seek him and he will reveal that to you. He will make known to you his ways and he will cause you to see great expansion in terms of your influence and all that he's called you to do for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thanks for watching today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, C-Club for details. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light. Ow! 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 Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.